from WJFF Radio Catskill, this is Close to Home, the podcast that explores the people, issues, and institutions in the Catskill Mountains, the heart of small-town America. I'm your host, Leif Johansson. Hey, thanks for tuning in. I think that one of the more unexpected twists of this pandemic world that we've been living in is the developing situation with the American labor market. For the last few months, it has seemed like every business I've walked past has had a hiring sign in the window. Many have cut their hours because of a staffing shortage, and some storefronts have been forced to close altogether until they have the employees to cover shifts. So I know I said in our last episode that we'd continue our discussions on higher education, and we will soon. But I wanted to cover this issue first, because the labor shortage is having sweeping effects on local communities and multinational economies alike. To get a better sense of how and why this issue is playing out in our area, I got on the phone with Laureen Gabeline, the director of the Center for Workforce Development here in Sullivan County. A lot of people are still afraid to go back to work. There's, you know, a lot of people out there that are concerned about getting the variant at this point. They don't want to go back to work. We've probably lost at least 30 to 35% of our workforce right now. We've lost a huge portion of the workforce to the women. We finally got to those goals where women were getting more into the workforce. And now through the pandemic, I think we've seen that reversal because women are staying home. They need to raise their children. They can't rely on daycare. You know, as they're saying right now, this is the the great resignation. <laughs> um, I mm. think we're also seeing a lot of the businesses that are out there right now still do not want to offer what they should be offering for pay and benefits. And I think people are not going to do it anymore. They're calling it, you know, so much of the, the, a pandemic burnout. You know, they don't want to sit in cubicles anymore. They don't want to work with people who they don't necessarily get along with it. They don't want to be treated bad by the company they're working for. They want flexibility. They want more family time. You know, as of August, we hit the highest we've ever hit at 4.3 million workers that just voluntarily quit their jobs. And that was up um, from 4 million in July, which, you know, that that's the the most it's ever been in the last two decades. You know, going off of that, I imagine that the small businesses here in Sullivan County aren't paying workers less than what workers would like to be paid because they don't like their workers, but because they simply can't afford to keep their business open and pay their workers a significant amount more across all these industries. So how do we circle that square to get workers back to work and also to keep our local businesses afloat? 
Well, I mean, I, I totally agree. I think Sullivan County is a little bit different than than the rest of the world here, and you know, the rest of the United States. We're rural, which you know, so many places are, um, and we all fall into those same little categories where you know, there's not enough people in your county to keep things going. Um, a lot of the businesses around need to redefine what they're looking at as far as their workforce. Um, a lot of the higher positions that are available, you know, if we don't have staff in the county to fill those positions, what are you going to be able to do as a business to maybe downgrade the position, you know, instead of requiring a a bachelor's or a master's degree or something, you know, work experience may become more readily available to those people that they want to work, but they can't, they might not necessarily have a bachelor's degree or a master's degree because most of the workforce right now that we're looking at are between the ages of, of 40 and 60. Most of those people you know, went to college years ago. They're not necessarily going back to school right now to get an, even an associate's degree. So we need to relook at that workforce that's in there and say, you know, what can we do even if they don't have a master's degree? What can we do to, to redefine this position and take the people that are willing to work and still pay them a decent wage? And I'm sorry, but experience goes a long ways. You know, you've, if you've got the experience, you need to take confidence and have confidence in, in the workforce that we've got. So what are the current unemployment statistics for Sullivan County, and how does that compare with the volume of jobs that are available in Sullivan County? Well, we've got about 1,900 people still in Sullivan County that are unemployed. So, and that's not counting folks who have exited the workforce altogether, but rather people that are actively seeking jobs? That's correct. I mean, at last year, August of 20, we were 4,000 people in Sullivan County that were unemployed. Wow. Yes. So right now is much better, but it's still 1,900 people that are unemployed. We had our largest gain come back in, I think, in Sullivan County, you know, due to Resorts World and the, the water park opening, you know, because our we're high in hospitality in Sullivan County, and those those jobs went back up. So, you know, those were our highest gains in August. My the statistics I have right now are from August. Um, in August of 2021 versus August of 2020. We saw an increase of 10.6% between non-farm jobs and our private sector jobs. So the largest job gains were in the leisure and hospitality. And overall, New York State showed an increase of 5%. Um, So, you know, Sullivan County did pretty good with the increase for August. Um, You know, our unemployment rate in August right now is at 5%, which... August of 2020 was at 10.9. So we've, you know, we've decreased by, you know, half. So I I think we're doing all right. Right now we've got 35,000 people employed and 1,900 unemployed. 
like I said, compared to 4,000, that was in August of 2020. So 35,000 is, is the total size of our, our workforce here in Sullivan County right now. Correct. Got it. Yes. With about a population of 75,000 in the county, 35,000 is our employed rate. So do you have any data on the sheer number of jobs that are open and, and waiting to be filled right now? We don't have an exact amount because you're talking corporate, you're talking small businesses, you're talking private right. industry, you know, you're talking government jobs. What we do here at the Center for Workforces, I mean, we do reach out to our businesses. You know, if they're looking for help, we have our website. And on our website, we have an item called Hot Jobs. On that hot jobs, we will list for you for as a free service anything that you're looking for. Um, we need a job description, you know, what you're paying, what your benefits are, um, what what is it that you actually want, and we will list it out there and try to help you. We can do job search matches through the Department of Labor website that we have access to to try to match up the businesses with the people. And one of the hard things in the county right now is our childcare situation. And another is, you know, still transportation for the outlying areas of the county. Mm. So, you know, I know the county is, is working very hard right now on the childcare issues with um, the child care council. And since, Move Sullivan has been put into the county, which went in, you know, shortly before the pandemic hit. So, you know, it's it's definitely seen a, a large amount of, of ridership on the Move Sullivan. So we know that that's working and we know that it's helping. You know, the county is still moving forward and trying to put some of those pieces together to reach some of the harder outlying areas. So there's still, you know, work in progress, but it, it's definitely a huge help for the county. So, so Laureen, if we as a county got childcare right and managed to offer childcare services that were affordable, if not free to parents around the county, do you think that the size of our workforce altogether would significantly increase? People would come back into the workforce? Um, I do. I think childcare issues at, right now are, are huge. Um, I don't. I don't know if you'd see a, a humongous increase, mm. <laughs> um, but I, I think we'd see a, a, you know a partial increase because people don't have childcare, especially for infants. You know, and and we we encourage everybody out there. You know, the child care council can. Talk you through how to open your own childcare facility, either in your home or with a corporation or any type of organization. But it is doable, and there's there's grants out there, and you know they would help. So, you know, if anybody's out there and wants to open their own childcare, that would be something that's very much needed in the county. We have a lot of areas that what they call you know are, are just dead zones with no child care available. So wow. that to me would be a big help within the county. And you would definitely see the unemployment rate 
I think, come down a little bit. But I think out of the 1,900 that are still unemployed, there are people that, like I said, are between the ages of 40 to 60 that everybody thinks the world today is, you know, is computers and everybody knows how to use cell phones. And you know what? Some of the people don't. Some people don't know how to use computers and aren't very good on cell phones. And, you know, if you had an education 40 years ago by now, even 20 years ago, things have changed. And, you know, that's what we're here for. We're here to get you in, get you trained. If you want to learn a brand new profession, we'll assist you in paying for your education, any type of training that we can do to get you into a different position if that's what you're looking to do. Have you seen a lot of people coming to the Job Corps or other retraining options that the Center for Workforce Development offers during the last you know, six months to a year looking to up their skills or, or retrain into a different field in order to make that switch that they're interested in making? You know, that's the hard part is that's what we've we've been really working on through this pandemic is, you know, making things virtual and having the training available and, you know, the colleges open back up. Um, you know, we're looking at so many different trade professions right now and trying to, to move forward on our end. But I have to say, no, we do not have people coming in. Um, they're not knocking at the doors. They're not calling and saying, listen, you know, I I want to change positions and, you know, can you help me? Can you train me just in using a computer? I mean, we have a career center here that we can assist everyone in, in learning computer skills. And, you know, we've got staff available to help, um, you know, by appointment because our doors even still are not completely open because we... We are in at 50 North Street with the Department of Labor, and under the state recommendations, um, we cannot fully open yet. You know, we can let you in by appointment, but we still are here, and we're not, we definitely are not seeing the people come in the way we thought that they would come in and say, listen, I, you know, I'm ready to become a dental hygienist, or, you know, I want to be a nurse, um, and I... I feel that a lot of that is with the pandemic and people being afraid to go out into the workforce. So I'm not sure where, you know, where it's all going to go, but we're here if people need us. Obviously, we are in a statistically better position in terms of our local unemployment rate than we were last year. But with a workforce of only 35,000 people, having almost 2,000 unemployed people while businesses up and down Main Street are struggling to stay open because of a labor shortage says that there is more to this story than numbers alone. So I wanted to get a closer look at how this situation is playing out on the ground in our community. 
And who better to speak to than a business leader in an industry that has been hit uniquely hard by recent labor shortages? My name is Nick Ballone. I'm the Executive Vice President of Rolling V Bus Corporation. Uh, additionally, I am the President of the New York State School Bus Contractors Association, representing all private school bus contractors in the state of New York. Rolling V is a private school bus contractor. We provide school services to Livingston Manor School, Roscoe School, Tri-Valley, Liberty, uh, Ellenville, Fallsburg, New York, um, as well as service in uh, Delaware County and Ulster County. So how big is Rolling V? How many employees about are we talking about? We're at uh, five locations and uh, roughly 330 to 340 employees. Over the past few years, actually, we've been experiencing um, a severe CDL driver shortage here in New York and throughout the country. Um, so when COVID came along in uh, March of 2020, it just exasperated the, the problem um, exponentially. So, you know, entering into a situation like this, well-staffed was very important to us. So fortunately, we were in a a better than most, I'll say, situation entering into the pandemic. Mm. Uh, but since then, it's been, you know, we're working twice as hard on our recruitment efforts just to keep up with the uh, attrition uh, of employees at this time. So putting in twice the amount of work and getting, um, you know, half the results, say, on, on new employees. So really the focus is on, on recruitment, but also retention, because our current employee base and our current people who have been with us for years and years uh, are, are even more important to us than than new employees at times like these. So that's so interesting that you said that there's been a shortage of drivers even before the pandemic even hit as not only one of the heads of your company, but also a significant figure on the state level of bus corporations. Do you have any insight as to why that's happening? Why there is such a shortage of CDL drivers? Yeah, it's a, it's a combination of a few things. First of all, the job requirement um, and the regulation to become a CDL holder has increased over the years pretty significantly. And from a, from a, the state perspective and from our perspective, so long as those uh, measures are all safety related, we never take issue with that. Also, it's an aging uh, an aging workforce where we don't see as many younger folks coming into this line of work as we as we maybe used to, and I think that's due to the fact that th- today there's just a lot of other options for young people uh, out there. And finally, you know the the casualization and say legalization of marijuana here in the state of New York has really taken this job off the table for for many people because um, you may not know that we are federally regulated um, as commercial drivers. So really, New York's decision to legalize marijuana does not remove that requirement from us uh, as an employer. So that's made it a lot more difficult um, as well. And not just the, again, legalization, which happened recently, but the relaxation of laws towards the matter over the years. So the issue being that federal regulation and state regulation aren't lining up there. Correct. Yeah. So if you're a casual marijuana user, you know, this, this, you would never consider this line of work because it is a requirement of the job to, um, to be regularly drug tested. 
I know that there's been some initiative by Governor Hochul in the last couple of months to make it easier to become a bus driver and to get through all the processes uh, that one needs to go through to get certified uh, to be doing this. And also, I, I was reading that the state was doing outreach to more than half a million different uh, CDL license holders across the state to encourage them to drive buses. Has that done anything in the last couple of months to help alleviate the shortage of people that are interested in in getting a job with you guys? Yeah, actually, funny enough, uh, our group, the New York School Bus Contractors Association, uh, the Friday prior to that uh, memo that came out on a Sunday, uh, had a, a, an in-depth talk with the governor's office, and you saw a lot of our input come through in that letter. Hmm. Uh, we had the, you know, we were reached out to by the governor's office to provide some creative uh, solutions. So we were really happy to have that uh, open line of communi- communication with the governor's office, the respect of the governor's office for them to reach out to our group and myself personally at a time uh, of crisis. So yeah, we did see that list come out uh, with you know valid CDL holders in the state of in the state of New York. Unfortunately, it didn't provide many of us, a handful of new recruits. To put it in perspective, we had a list of, I believe, 600 locally here. Um, And to date, we've successfully onboarded one of those people, right? Wow. Uh, But you know what? It's a person that we've been unable to reach through all of our advertising and all of our radio ads and print ads and job fairs. So everything counts. Uh, That list gave us one body. Um, and it was free. So that collaboration with the governor's office has been great. Uh, another thing that we're working with them on uh, is the potential of third party testing, uh, which doesn't change the requirements or make them easier uh, because, you know, you have to be very careful. You don't want to remove safety measures in licensing commercial drivers who, who transport children. Uh, what it would do is make it uh, more flexible. So if we were able to, say, certify, test and examine our recruits that are in our training program to get their CDL, rather than them having to do all four of those steps at the DMV, it could be a less intimidating environment, you know, equally, equally safe and uh, equally upheld uh, and just give us more options. So that's another thing that um, was in reference to her letter about exploring alternative licensing entities. Mm. That is what she was referring to in, in that letter. When the pandemic hit, and and since then, in the last year and a half, how much worse did recruitment and retention get? Did you guys have a lot of drivers that quit because they were concerned about getting sick? As you mentioned, it's an aging workforce. And how many fewer applicants were you seeing as compared to prior to the pandemic? Yeah, there's a lot of layers there. We certainly saw like an immediate attrition of people who were concerned for their health, mm-hmm. right? So, um, you know, especially those, uh, you know, above the age of, of 65 and, you know, those who were maybe considering retiring within the next two to three years, this thing in March, it really just pushed them right over the edge immediately, which is very understandable. And, you know, we didn't really know what was coming next back in March of 2020 when they actually closed schools, when they would reopen. Uh, so our, our recruitment efforts never let, let up, but I think everybody took pause at that moment in looking at becoming a school bus driver because there was no school. 
So it'd be a funny time to look, uh, look to become, to become a school bus driver. So there was a little hesitation in the, you know, recruitment force there. Beyond that, you know, the DMVs were closed for a extended period of time in the middle of this thing. Uh, DMV is an essential part of getting a, a, a new applicant or a trainee uh, licensed to drive a bus. So that created a massive backlog. So when they finally did reopen, not only were they trying to get the, you know, the, the people that are now interested in driving, but the people that have been interested in driving and maybe we're halfway through the process uh, in March, you know, because it is a long process. It takes between eight to 12 weeks to certify a school bus driver uh, from a regular driver's license to, you know, road ready. So, you know, we're starting to see a rebound now of a little bit more foot traffic, not more foot traffic to February 2020, but more foot traffic than we've seen over the past, say, 20 months. So that's encouraging. But I think that backlog still exists. But DMV and DOT have been extremely helpful uh, and open communicators throughout this whole process in working with us to get our people through the pipeline um, and get them behind the wheel. We have regular communication with them. And when I can't find a road test available uh, online, we can pick up the phone and get a human on the phone and, and find a solution. So that's been, it's, it's been an all hands on deck effort. Has Rolling V implemented incentives for prospective drivers to uh, help sweeten the pot as it were? Yeah, absolutely. We've done a number of things. And again, this is recruitment versus retention, right? So, right, right. Um, you know, let's talk about re- retention. At the beginning of this, we committed to a 10% pay increase over the next three years. Uh, we did half of that this year with a 5% pay increase. We increased our um, contribution to our employees' 401k match. So uh, they used to, we used to match 50% of up to 5% of employees' uh, uh, contribution. Now we match 50% of up to 10% of employees' contributions. We expanded our healthcare offerings uh, in what we um, will participate in. Uh, we did a vaccination reward program for the people uh, within our ranks to try to uh, get our numbers up, but also reward those that are. I think that's the biggest mistake that uh, you know the government is making right now is is rewarding unvaccinated people with a bonus, uh, say in the city of New York, and leaving those who got their vaccine as soon as they possibly could aside. So we made sure that we rewarded everybody within our ranks and are still running that program because we are working in a school environment and we want to you know, always promote safety and safety has certainly taken on a new form uh, during these times. You know, we've done uh, attendance bonuses and, uh, you know, and that's a tricky subject because we don't want to encourage people to come to work if they are not feeling well. So when you reward attendance, it gets a little a little difficult. But there are ways uh, there are ways to handle those situations. Um, and then, yeah, as far as recruitment, uh, we have offered sign-on bonuses, particularly for road-ready people, people that have a valid school bus driver's license, which is a Class B license with your school endorsement, your passenger endorsement. And beyond that, we have uh, expanded our efforts in our monitoring training program. So if you have a regular driver's license and you want to come work at Rolling V, you can come in our door and start as a monitor. It's a very easy process to get started as a monitor. We will put you directly in our training program for the CDL. Uh, Upon successfully passing your permit test at the DMV and scheduling a road test, we will immediately move you to driver's rate of pay while you wait for your road test and um, and pass your road test. So we've uh, we've expanded upon that program as well 
in trying to get people in the door because we've noticed that, you know, there's just not enough fully licensed individuals out there to meet the current needs. So we have to go and make them. And we've uh, we've been very successful at that in the past. And we're, we're happy to see that program uh, picking up some speed again now. Looking forward to the future, do you foresee the labor shortage of drivers and I imagine other employees that Rolling V needs to function letting up anytime soon? What are, you, uh, what are your thoughts over the next six months to a year? No, I absolutely think that this is going to take years to climb out of from a, uh, from a, a, a CDL holder standpoint, because you know not only uh, is it a depleted workforce at the moment, but the demand within the industry is growing, not just school bus in delivery uh, and all sorts of different forms of CDL employment. So uh, we'll really be rowing upstream pretty hard, I believe, for the next two to three years. Will it get a little better over the next six months? Absolutely. I think we're already seeing a bigger return to work uh, across the board in all industries uh, and will continue to do so over the next three to six months. But no, I do not believe that the driver shortage goes away within two to three years. If folks in Sullivan County are interested in working for Rolling V or uh, looking at opportunities with Rolling V, how can they find out more? The easiest way to do it is go to our website, rollingv.com slash recruitment. All of our information is there. Our phone number is there. We encourage people to go through that medium because we can capture their information. They can fill out the form online uh, and one of our many recruiters will reach out to them, explain the process to them. Uh, anybody can walk into any of our locations. Uh, if you're you know familiar with the area, you know where we are. But yeah, rollingv.com slash recruitment is where it starts. If you or someone you know are looking for a job in Sullivan County, you can check out sullivanny.us slash departments slash workforce development slash hot jobs. And in case you didn't get all of that down, I will leave that link in the description of this episode. A big thank you to both Nick Vallone of the Rolling V Bus Corporation and to Laureen Gabeline from the Center for Workforce Development for taking the time to chat this week. And as always, thank you for listening. I'm Leif Johansson, and this is Close to Home, a production of WJFF Radio Catskill. Have a great week. <laughs>